Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the AJ Roberts Show. Today, I am joined by an old friend who actually joined us quite some time ago, uh, back in one of the earlier episodes, former Royal Marine, Mr. Chris Thrall. Chris, how are you doing, bro? Good, AJ. Thank you. How are you doing? Absolutely fantastic, mate. Um, I'm really glad you could join us uh, this evening. Um, it was it was really uh, well an honour to get you on the show the last time and share your amazing story. Uh, just a brief recap, guys. Um, Chris is a former Royal Marine, and after a number of years serving in Her Majesty's finest Green Berets, um, he left and he ended up finding himself in Hong Kong. And um, we did quite a lot of work out there. Uh, those of you who've read his books intensely will know the, the future stories that lay after that. Um, but in a nutshell, he ended up getting involved with the wrong people. Um, he at one point had the triads after him. Um, he he did, says it all in his fantastic book, Eating Smoke, um, where he, he ended up get, like getting involved in a lot of drugs and go down a, a slippery slope and ended up being uh, an addict of crystal meth. And, you know, it, that, we've all seen the the dangers and what it does to people. And it really took his life down a horrible, horrible spiral. Christo, to his credit, come out of that. Um, and then some really now a qualified pilot, scuba diving instructor has traveled all the way around the world. He's ran from John O'Groats to Land's End, uh, all in aid of raising money. And today I wanted to get him on the show to talk about this amazing event that he's got lined up to raise money for mental health awareness uh, and homelessness in veterans. Um, I'll let Chris talk more about the event, obviously, guys, but in a nutshell, Chris has decided to run 200 miles. Right, that's run 200 miles around a running track. Um, without further ado, Chris, if you could elaborate on that a bit more, mate, that would be uh, fantastic um, um, in the lightest possible way, you lunatic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, AJ, yes, if you have in your twitter bio or your your linkedin that you're a, a, an adventurer yeah. or an endurance athlete that i think i have i haven't looked at it for a long time but it kind of means you've got to do like one thing a year to put your money where your mouth is right mm. so 2018 as you kindly mentioned i i ran the length of the uk ultra marathon a day carrying 15 kilograms of camping equipment and uh, sleeping by the side of the road. Um, again, my kind of mission has been to raise awareness of veterans' mental health and the, the suicide epidemic, and kind of shine a light there for people who are struggling, Not obviously not just veterans, uh, that's a lot of people, and it's gonna be even more in this current situation, but just to show that your challenging moments are, are, are what shape you. Mm, and if you can just hang in there and come out the other side like I did and use it as a learning tool rather than as a, you know, a, as a negative, then it really can help you to go on and become a very productive um, person. I mean, since I had challenges, I've gone on to live, work and travel in, I think, 87 countries on all, all seven continents um and i think i'm like if i was really honest i think i'm the only person i know that i've just done everything i want in this life um and i've used you know i use my challenging experience as a kind of springboard to say right hang on we've mucked around for three years we've been really unwell let's 
let's get things moving again and, and let's do some stuff for myself. So that was 2018, the, the joggle, as it's called, John O'Groats to Land's End. Uh, for my 50th birthday last year, I did a quadruple Ironman uh, distance triathlon. So I swam 10 miles, uh, cycled 450, which is quite, ended up quite bizarre, just cycling anywhere, just, just to do the 450 <laughs> miles. It was quite funny when you're on your own at 11 o'clock at night and everyone's getting tucked into bed and you're like, right, where can I cycle now? <laughs> 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 and then that, that culminated in a 108 mile um, ultra, ultra race, ultra marathon. That was odd. Um, so that was last year. This year, I was set to do two things. I was going to cycle across America, uh, north to south from the Rockies down to Mexico, along a, a route called the Grand Divide, which was brought to my attention by Guy Guy Martin, the TV presenter and mm -hmm. famous Grand um, uh, TT racing rider. Yeah. And he did this this uh, this route across America. It took him twenty two days, so he was flying right. And again, you just sleep by the side of you know the side of the trail. It's a you see amazing, yeah. Imagine the scenery you see cycling from the Rockies to to Mexico across the deserts and stuff. So I was going to do that, but I was also accidentally ended up in the Marathon of the Sands, which is this ultra marathon a day jobby across the Moroccan desert that you might, people might have seen um, Ben Fogel and his mate, James Cracknell do. So I'm entered into that, but of course, because of the situation, it was uh, delayed or postponed. So that's going to be next year. Don't know when we're going to do the bike. So I decided, right, let's just do something. What could I do? I've got a good friend, James English, who, who's got a very popular podcast. And James spent Christmas homeless. So he went out there in Glasgow with just a little backpack with his sleeping bag in and a GoPro. And he slept on the streets for seven days over Christmas, made an amazing documentary. And I was so inspired by his efforts that I thought, what could I do at Christmas for the homeless? Um, I thought, well, if running is something I've done, I'm not particularly good at it, but how about I book my local running track and I run 200 miles just around and around and around pretty much as nonstop as I, as I can. Um, I might have to grab maybe an hour's sleep or something here and there if I'm delirious or something. Um, to be fair, though, not knowing you, I think uh, you'd probably get an hour of sleep while you're running. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hope so. I think by that point you'd be on autopilot, wouldn't you? You'd just going around in a circle. I'll be, I'll probably be quite dizzy. I think. Yeah. So the idea is AJ that the monotony of running around and around is represents the monotony monotony of being street homeless. You know, not knowing each day where you're going to eat, if you're going to get stabbed that night or set on fire or something. Um, when you're going to, you know, next to have a shower, all that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. The 
giving up my Christmas is just my, I don't know if this makes sense. That's like my gift to the homeless community. You know, it's nothing for me, is it? I can go home and have turkey on the whatever, the Boxing Day or something, right? Mm. What's um, um so, what's uh like, how old's your son now? He's five. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I know he's I know he's fairly young, and then um I I mean from an environmental point of view, like the just seeing his anybody seeing their dad or their mum uh, doing something like that must be quite inspirational. Does he understand it all? Have you spoke to him about this Christmas in particular? Like it could be different. Um, do you know what? We haven't really discussed it we're still talking about the john o'groats to land's end because he ran the last uh, 100 meters into land's end with me well wow. it's one of my proudest obviously proudest moments and we still i always say that time we ran to land's end and and it's um it's quite a special moment it's the only video of him you'll find on the internet is because it was the bbc that that filmed it um so we still talk about that. I haven't really explained that I might not be here Christmas Day when he opens his presents. Um, but it's like I say, isn't it? it? It's a token thing. Maybe we maybe we just lie to him and tell him New Year's Eve five days later. <laughs> well, he wonders why he's got a pair of running trainers. <laughs> yeah. He's got to join his old man. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've just been running, as you know. Um, yeah. God, I'm absolutely shattered. I only ran 11 miles. It's quite rare for me to run that far. I, I'm, it puts me in a pain cave big time, and my times are just getting worse. And instead of getting better, they're getting slower and slower each week. Um, but hey-ho, if we want to think of the negative, you know, you can think of the negative till the cows come home. Plus, there's so many out there people that want to think negative on your behalf. So I just ignore it all and crack on. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, I just think think I'm a very lucky person. Yeah, no, I mean, I've always been a massive fan of like your outlook and uh, and often question like how you come up with certain ideas like i think the way your brain works is quite unique uh that's why i like i love getting on the show the first time and i think it's one definitely definitely one of the pop, most popular episodes i've had uh and even like when uh when i put the video on youtube um i think just because of the just the uniqueness and the, the massive array of things that you've done in your life uh you know 50 60 percent of what people would deem as absolutely crazy um you know, and like, you, you know, you're a very unique person. And I think just uh, it, it's a sentiment really to, you know, you doing this on behalf of somebody else or, a, a, you know, a number of people um, to raise awareness for it, which is fantastic. And, you know, like you said about the whole adventurer thing, I've got some fantastic friends who are adventurers and uh, uh, Jordan Wiley, you know, a really good friend of mine who's mm -hmm. um, an amazing guy who's currently circum, you know, navigating the, the UK right as, now as we record this um, hoping to get to you John O'Groats by Christmas Day on his paddleboard um, you know Daz Hardy I've had on the show as well who's uh, not recently done 10 Ironmen in 10 different locations in 10 days and I think he finished in the uh, the London Eye like cycling on a bike um, and I, I, I know what you mean they're always looking for this next thing and um, there's always a bigger agenda is, and there's always a charity involved and stuff like that and it's raising awareness for other people and um, which is amazing 
uh, absolutely amazing. But is there like um, is there is, is there like a, a a tick for you where you you know you get up one day like bang, right? I need to do this, and I, I need to do it in this particular time. Or is it just a case of you know does it come to you or is it you know do people suggest things to you? Because um, it's I guess that what you were saying before about having that adventure on like your LinkedIn profile and stuff like that. Uh, do you have, do you just need to take things to the next level all the time because there's something I've discussed in detail with Jordan quite a lot. It's it's funny. I'm not like a massively driven person. I mean, Jordan and guys like that, my God, it's one adventure after another for, for these guys, right? I mean, the, the, the chap I had on um, my podcast recently, um, he ran from Vancouver in Canada to the southern tip of Argentina, 16,000 kilometers, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and he and and his um his uh oh what 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 am I trying to say? His um if if anyone wants to 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 Google him, Google Jamie Ramsey or just go on my podcast on YouTube. He's about three podcasts back. Incredible man, right? way smashing much more than me but my thing is you'll hear me say this a lot you get one life if you live it right one is enough right and I, I i live by that i when i lost lost is, is, is lost is the wrong word aj when i spent three years in the wilderness um chronically no, wasn't always unhappy, but if I couldn't get drugs, yeah, I was pretty unhappy then. I, I, I was just, I didn't realize I was chronically depressed and I was in that phase of trying to make it after leaving the military and my business, which was going to make me a million pounds. Not, not that I care about money now, but I was young then. Right. So, you know, you're running a million dollar business and then you suddenly lose it in six months, end up chronically addicted to crystal meth. And working for the Hong Kong triads as a nightclub doorman, it's I do. you know, and that that was actually the exciting part, believe it or not. It was when I came back to the UK and I just I, I was just chronically depressed on a on a sofa bed for 18 months. The furthest I'd go was to the toaster. I'd shove four bits of toast in the toaster, four bits of uh, sorry, four bits of bread in the toaster, four bits on top the cheapest bread you could buy, which back then you could get a loaf for like 17p or something, right? And I just cover it in cheap margarine. The Bovril I had to shoplift because I only have £1.87 for a fortnight, fortnightly shop. All the rest went on, you know, substances to try to give me a life. Of course, it, you know, obviously it wasn't giving me a life. Everything was falling down around my ears and... um. And yeah, when I had my epiphany and I realized that this life isn't working for me anymore, not I used to, you know, okay, some things weren't important anymore. Like the money wasn't important. Being a Marine wasn't like, like an important thing for me. But the fact that I used to have it together and I used to get up and really go about my day like that, you know, just want to smash it. 
I had a nice car in the drive and I'm not a flashy car person, but you know, when you drive a BM top, top of the range BMW and you're 23 and you've got a mobile phone and you know, you go in a nightclub and girls come up and give you their number, all that stuff when you're a young man is so important. You know, it's just, you're, uh, Oh, all right. My camera switched off for some reason. Um, Okay, sorry for anyone watching. We had a bit of a technical glitch there, my 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 software. But yeah, so what am I saying? I realised that this kind of druggy life wasn't getting me the happiness that 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 I thought it it was. Um, I just used it as a learning curve, and in that moment, I made a, like a mental itinerary of what, what do I want to do in this world? What, what have I done? Well, I traveled a fair bit in the Marines. So I thought, continue that. And as I kind of was able to put the substances more and more behind me, which I just did gradually, I didn't go to any like help groups or doctors or meetings or anything like that. I, I, I just, I just, I didn't want to be a choir boy or anything. I quite, you know, I, just, I love partying really. Um, but I gradually, the, the more I could put it behind me, the more my life just improved immeasurably. I'm wearing new clothes for once. I haven't bought new clothes for like three years. Um, these fit me. These haven't, haven't, you know, got a hand-me-down from some bloody heroin dealer or something. Right? <laughs> um and it was good. And slowly my, my life came back. I started smuggling tobacco with a guy from Belgium. Right. Um, and uh, I was his run. I was one of his runners in this gang and he'd pay me like 30 quid a, or 60 quid a run over the would drive over to Belgium twice in one night. Um, dump all the backy in a B and B in Dover then go through the tunnel again, get a load more and use, I just saved up the money and, and I did a firewalk, a, a charity firewalk, raising money to go and work in Africa. And I really needed to give something back because people, only a few people, but a few people, you can think of them as angels, right? They helped me. They could see I was struggling and they could see I didn't deserve to struggle that you know, I didn't deserve to descend as bad as I did. Um, and so when you when you have that epiphany, you need to give back. It's something you can't put into words unless you unless you know what I'm talking about. Mm. So that was it. I went to work in Africa while I was in Africa. Um, it's that old cliche. If you take action, the universe will give it back to you 10 times. So I'm working in Africa with street children free you know i'm a volunteer i'm giving my services for free i studied for six months at a wonderful um university in norway like a sort of college um did skiing every day saunas um put on plays did theater all around scandinavia fundraised money all around scandinavia for our projects in africa it's a really great time and an international school so i've got to meet 70 people from nations all around the world and uh, as i say my team went off to mozambique 
while I was there, the, the organization asked if I'd drive a bus from Norway to India and back, um, taking journalists so we could write articles about people living in poverty. So by the time you travel around Scandinavia, that's four countries. You go to work in Mozambique, that's five. South Africa that you land in with your flight, we spent three days there, that's six. Then you drive to India, it's like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Add that to the 27 countries I think I saw in the Marines or, or, or something like this. Plus you can add on Belgium about 80, time, 80 times, right? It's a good job they didn't stamp the passport because I'd have had to buy loads, right? You can see that I'm starting to get something, AJ, you know? Mm. I'm starting to get something to be proud of. And and um, then what, what happened is then I met a wonderful person from Sweden. We went traveling together. Uh, first of all, I worked in a fish factory in the north of Norway. It's a beautiful little island up there near the Arctic Circle. Um, we just chopped fish all day, long hours, getting paid a fortune because it's Norway, right? Massively drunk at the weekends on moonshine. Um, meeting great, great people. The Norwegians loved the English, so it was, it was a yeah, great experience. Yeah. Chop saved up about 10 grand in nine months traveled everywhere in the world that i wanted to go amazing so back backpacked through every single country in north um north central and then south america every country in asia i hadn't yet been to every, uh, in that period i think every country in europe almost all of asia australia new zealand thailand i think for the third time uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, um, Russia, Czech Republic, just so then it starts getting interesting because now I haven't just traveled to sort of 50 countries. Now I'm getting up around like 70 countries across all six continents. Sorry, across six continents. And um, I can't remember where I was going with this, but finally just to clarify, I got my, um, I started studying to become a youth worker. While I was studying to become a youth worker in my summer, do they call it semester? Is that your, that's your holiday, isn't it? Your, yeah, it's your summer holiday, holiday yeah. at, at uni. I flew to America and got my pilot's license and, skydive, and a skydiving license. Just a brilliant experience. Um, and then I went down into the jungles in, in the Amazon and just like went into the jungle with my machete and chopped stuff and caught fish and slept under the stars and this kind of stuff. Um, finally got my degree and went to the Antarctic on an expedition to the Antarctic uh, polar circle to scuba dive with icebergs and, and leopard oh. seals and this kind of stuff. Right. Mm. Um so going back to your original question, it's I'm just an opportunist, AJ. When the Antarctic popped up, when it when when I had a few quid in the bank, I think I had like an endowment payout or something like that, about five grand. 
I thought, right, didn't I want to learn to fly at some time in my life? So I just get, I literally get on a phone, call a flight. This is when we used to use phones to do in, international stuff, right? Call a flight school in Florida. Um, guy says, yeah, fly over next month. I'll pick you up in Miami airport or Orlando or wherever it was. Yeah, I'll teach you to fly. Going to take you about a month, you know, three weeks to a month. Did that. They gave me an aeroplane. I flew up the coast to do skydiving because anyone who's seen Point Break, the original I'm talking about, although I'm, mm. I think the newer one's pretty good as well. Like, how can you watch that and not want to throw yourself out of <laughs> aeroplanes? It's mental, yeah. right? So they gave me a plane. I flew 40 Are miles you, um, up the coast. Do you have the same feeling on wingsuiting as well? I've never done that, but I'd love to. I, if I had the time, I'd train to do it tomorrow. But that's what I mean. Is you see that on the new Point Break with a wingsuit? Like when I watch oh, that, I'm right. like, I'm like, I need to wingsuit. Yes, I yes. know what exactly what I mean. So I'm opportunist like that, you know. When I'd seen all six continents, it seemed a bit silly not to see all seven, mm. right? Um, Can I ask you something? When you say opportunist, mate, like um, obviously, majority of people aren't you know a population of people i've met obviously aren't opportunists like that like to that extreme or would do that kind of stuff but do you feel that um being an opportunist and the meaning of it and what you know just what it means to you as a person is diminishing in society um in the you know especially something for someone like yourself that may have noticed this in the amount of cultures and countries you've experienced do you think it's something that's kind of diminishing slightly do you think we're losing this uh you know that, that as a per, you know as part of a personality is like taking the season opportunities you know because i the way, what i see at the moment is a lot of people waiting for a lot of things to come for them yeah it's it's an interesting to see what the data will be in 20 years time um I see a lot because obviously I'm a YouTuber. So I'm looking at, you know, YouTube statistics and I look at the comments on my podcast. I get a lot of military folk on, mm -hmm. although I'm not a, you know, that's because I'm ex-Marine, but I'm sort of, you can say anti-war just because of my education and around the world, I've, I've come to certain conclusions about the military, but because my influence is ex-military, I can get people like Ollie Ollerton to come on my podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, we have a good old chat. Me and Ollie had a really grassroots chat about life. We didn't even talk about SBS or anything. Well, we might, might have briefly touched on it. Um, I, I don't know how the statistics will play out. What I can tell you is it's, I think it's quite, sad that uh i'll do a podcast with a guy that's just runs sixteen thousand kilometers through the amazon junk you know jungle across the rocky mountains you you name it and his podcast got 400 views but if you put a clip you know, that's a two hour podcast that you've sat down, you've arranged, you've had this really mm. great, great adventurous dialogue. And it gets 400 views, right? The guy's a legend. If I put a clip, you know, 
SAS guy kisses SBS guy. Whoa, 200,000 <laughs> views in like a week, right? Yeah. And I feel so sad that the young generation have been so brainwashed by all the Call of Duty and the 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 the, the TV programs that all big up being, you know, military, which is Mm. You know, you've been in combat. I've, 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 I've been in active service. It's, it's, it's pretty horrible. Um, I think what it does for us though is uh, like that kind of stuff. Like, generally makes you grow up. Like, it actually makes you grow up properly. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think you need to be in the military to actually like go through stuff to actually grow up. Uh, and like when I do like talks or um, uh, and even you know coaching and stuff like that, you know, I'm very quick to point out that you don't need to have to have been in the military. To, and to overcome adversity or you know see like colleagues killed all that you know children all the rest of it and the, the carnage um but if you consistently put yourself or allow yourself to live in a, a lifestyle that's it is just everything's done for you and it, your life's just made so comfortable you're never ever going to grow ever so those things like you do find really you will find really interesting like if you saw ss guy kisses an sps guy or or some you know actually a sniper kills someone from two and a half thousand you know miles away and all this kind of stuff like that and that's the kind of stuff that people grow into because they never actually get out there and actually experience anything um and aren't opportunists i think yeah there's certainly an element of that uh, the only reason I'm a bit hesitant is I don't know what the statistics will be, say, in 20 years. Maybe it will be that exactly the same amount of young men that want to get out and smash it and get some reality in their life, go go and do that. You know, either join the military or go traveling or mm. or get themselves into, a you know, into bushcraft or or fly air. You know, I, 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 it, it will be interesting. What I can say is. I'm old enough now to, to have noticed the agenda that's in play in life. And there's a definite agenda to turn everybody into whinging pussies, you know? <laughs> right? And it's an agenda. It's done on purpose, right? That I call them the sociopaths. Um I don't want to get too technical on your podcast, but if you understand who these sociopaths are, it goes back to ancient Babylon when they, they first engineered the money system that we all live under and which keeps us all in slavery. Mm. And one of the things that these sociopaths have realized is they can get you to live from your ego. They got you, right? Mm -hmm. You are like a fish on the end of their, their fishing, fishing line. Um, because ego people react, they react with anger, they react with upsetness, they react with finger pointing, they react with going and buying stuff because they think this T-shirt has got this logo, this will make me happy. They go and, you know, mortgage themselves to the hilt to buy a bloody rusting lump of motor car, right, which is going to be on the scrap heap in five years' time or whatever, right? They do all, you know, people that are, live from their ego and, and uh, controlled by their left brain instead of the right brain, which is your enlightenment and your sensitivity, your understanding and your awareness and your uh, ability to rationalize this kind of thing, right? These sociopaths, AJ, they're, they're, 
they've done it for 8,000 years controlling yeah. people, right? They know what to put. They own the media, right? They own this is exactly what's they happening right now, it. though, isn't it? This is exactly what's happening right now. It's just people have never experienced it or the people who have questioned it are, are being massively aligned, like can see it with their own eyes yeah. now more than ever. Let's um, not say the, um, the, the C and the yeah. number because I don't want you to get your podcast in trouble, but everyone yeah. knows what we're talking about. Yeah. And you either get it or you don't. Mm. You know, yeah. you either think this is about public health, which case some old guy like me who's 51 and has lived, worked and travelled in 87 countries is going to tell you you're a bit naive. Mm. Probably watch Sky News or the, the BBC News. I don't mean to be offensive, but... Mm. Um, but it, you know, it's not, it's an agenda. It's there to all this black lives stuff. And it's there to just make people hate each other rather than unite as human beings. And one common thread that runs through us all, you know, you go traveling well, you don't very, very rarely meet someone that, that, that doesn't, really like you and want to look after you and take you into their house and hmm. um no absolutely and um so it's like prime example you went to you know you've been to many places um january when i was in you know sierra leone and uh doing the work over there with the, the amputees and that with melkosh mission and um you know i'm looking thoroughly forward to doing it again in the new year and it's like literally the minute i walked into the village obviously it it did help having kind of like a blank canvas and, you know, not being like reserved and have that, you know, that barrier up. But like um, Faith, who runs a charity, she just literally could not believe it. She said of all the times she's been there, like she's never even been in half of these people's houses and I was there half an hour <laughs> and they were bringing me in, like, you know, offering me drinks and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, like Jordan, who we mentioned earlier, he, he ran through, you know, through did a marathon and stuff through Afghan and, um, Af Iraq and places like that. And he said it was to actually showcase and, the fact that people are just normal, they're not all like labeled terrorists and stuff that the news like tell you where they all are. They're all taking him in, feeding him, watering him. Um, actually wanted to learn a bit about him. You know, you go to Scandinavia, like you said, I've been there quite, quite a number of times since a teenager. Um, and every single time is still to this day, one of the best places I've ever been in my life. And I've been to a lot. And um, you remember how you felt, don't you? That's the thing I think. It's the same as if you go and watch a comedian, for example, or you go and watch a motivational speaker. You don't necessarily remember what they say. You always remember how you felt. And I find that's the same when you go traveling in places like that. It's how you feel at the time. Um, and everywhere I've been, other than UK, <laughs> I've uh, always felt welcomed. And I think um, when you look at everything that's going on at the minute, uh, you go, people are always quick to say, oh, you know, Sweden are doing this, Sweden are doing that. Um, but at the same time, like, well, Sweden's government, I think, trusts their people. I think in the UK as a nation, we're very angry, aren't we? Yeah. Going back to the agenda thing, Ada, just, just so people listening don't, you know, just so I can just finish what I'm saying about the young people is you've just got this situation now where everyone's been pushed into the home cocoon. Yeah. And this has been going on since the 90s. There's more and more that you get into your house, the way you interact with people is over a medium like this. Mm. So, so it's a very kind of practice way of doing things that doesn't involve real emotion, real social skills, picking up on social, you know, picking up on social cues, um, 
it's given people this idea that you can just sit there and be angry on a keyboard and you can say whatever you like to anyone that you want, which is just so, you know, no, no tribe would let the youngsters say the things that young people now say to the, to, to the braves or the elder elders, as it would be called saying an indigenous tribe. Now, young people, they're clueless. They just think because I've got a keyboard, I'm allowed to say whatever I want to anyone. Mm. On top of that, they've got this false image of war because they played a call of duty and they think it's all about being a hero. Yep. Um, on top of that, uh, do you think know, the parents, like, the modern parents, are uh, a problem as well? As in people? Yeah, well, most... modern parents, mate, are like that, aren't they? Yeah. You know, this is the parent to that beautiful young thing there. You see it sat in the doctor's waiting room. The kid getting no attention. The parents like that. You think there'll be no repercussions? Of course, of course, there will. We're we, we're creating a society of deadheads. Yeah. Um, I... I'd agree with that. You know, we've created, we've got, I, I've, we had a family round a while back now, right? And they sat in our living room, AJ. There were five of them, right? In the evening, three of them on a tablet, the other two on their phone. And it was just, oh my God, draw a freaking line, guys. Talk. Put mm. that shit away just for five minutes in the day. And it's so. Ah, it's just all of these things are cutting people off from this beautiful thing called universe. Mm. You want to call it nature, mother nature, whatever this, this understanding who you really are. You're not, your life is not in that tablet or that, you know, that is not going to make you happy. It's oh, it, 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 at best, it will help you get by. At worst, it's just going to massively damage your prospects and your horizons. And, and so many young people now is, are going to get to 80, 90 years old. And that's all they've done. You know? Yeah. And I think the younger kids, though, uh, you know, like before, you know, even I was young as a teenager and I didn't have the Internet um it was uh you know even like when i was leaving school it was all really dial up and it just come in and stuff like that and i think you had the odd chat room and stuff you could go in every now and then um but you know the kids nowadays you know the the teenagers uh or coming into teenagers like they know no different do they so you cut it's not like something we can blame them with and go like you should do this you should do that um but i think the parents who are like my age um you know 18 but um you know, they're sort of like mid to late 30s, early 40s. Um, even some parents are in their sort of like, you know, late 20s and that as well. Mm. Um, I think that's where half the problem lies. It's just there's such a lack in role models and people wanting to be a role model. Um, which is Everything, I tell you, the once you start thinking of things in terms of this agenda, these greedy little men that want to control all aspects of your life, then you just see it, right? Mm. I go ru running, as, as, as I mentioned earlier, on Sundays, what I've been doing is running out to my dad's house. He lives on Dartmoor. It's about a, a 10 and a half, 11 mile run to his place. And I run along the cycle track. And because of what's been going on, it's packed now. 
right? You, I probably run past 80 people coming in the other direction. I, out of those 80 people, and I look at everyone in the eye and I'm, I've got a hello or a hire or a how's it going, you know, at, at, the, at the ready, 78 are willing to just run past you or cycle past you completely like not making eye contact right mm. what the hell has happened you know going back to your parent thing some of them they got their whole family they got three children on bikes behind them and their partner these are kids who've got a father that doesn't even have the social skills to go all right mate you know that actually looks away from you and looks down because they don't have the confidence to say hello right it's just mm. ancient thing between humans is saying hello isn't it right and i've noticed that it used to be i mean there's no disrespect but it used to be women that did that right and i obviously haven't studied it but if i had to hazard a guess i'd say it's just, they've been so they've had their self-confidence battered by these bloody beauty magazines and and um all this stuff on telly plastic surgery and you're supposed to look like all of that stuff that you know we all know beauty is on on the inside and, and beauty's in your character and not 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 whether you're a size eight or whatever it is and it was always that way AJ. you ran past a guy he'd look at you and go all right mate and then you ran past a girl and out of every 10 girls nine would they're just quite happy to you know it's like they've had their confidence rocked mm. they're, so they're probably a bit self-confident conscious being out running because a lot of people think it's like a massive thing to do exercise in front mm. of other people in case they get criticized right whereas you and i know if someone criticizes you it's fuck you that, that, that the problem is with them not with you mm. right and just to finish off it upsets me mate you know mm. it upsets me that this is what we've become as a society a society of absolute deadheads that mm. can't even teach their kids how to say hello when they're out in the nature yeah i think um i, I think it's across the board as well because uh like uh, one of the key things i teach in my coaching packages is effective methods of communication uh, and i don't mean sort of like military style i mean just um how to get your message across and actually like even to the point where I'm doing what I'm doing now, just like looking into a camera on a mic and just talking um, with, you know, like, not aggression, but like, you know, talking like you actually mean what you say. And I think because we live on devices nowadays, and I know people are more so because of the whole uh, C word, um, it's easier to quickly type messages and chuck a couple of emojis on to show your emotion at the end. That's the whole point of emojis in the first place. Um, and, because young kids are doing it and it's all they do and they do it in group chats and stuff out like they can speak to one or you know what two or more people um it's easier to do that and actually speak to somebody face to face like the, the thought of actually going going to speak to somebody face to face has gone out the window and because of that over a period of time people's confidence in speaking in front of people has diminished massively oh. um hence why 
nearly every single client I work with, one of their biggest pain points for them and what they're struggling with in their business or their personal life is their confidence. Like literally 95% of the people I work with. Yeah, like I say, it's agenda. They, these sociopaths, they want everyone in the home cocoon, not even talking to their neighbor because, you know, heaven forbid they might, let's just say, catch something, right? All yeah. this utter nonsense. They want, they want you in working via Zoom. You know, everyone's just except working with your kids playing in the front room. What's that about? Your children deserve you to be with them, not them running around, you know, what, because you're, you, you, your employer's like, right, you got to do, it's like, you're telling me all this stuff I've got to do in my own home. This is my house. Yeah. It's not a workplace. And I, no disrespect, but because I'm a speaker, I speak to companies and I see how proud they are that they, they've adapted all their workforce to this. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. Right. Um, going back to the speaking thing, one of the things I say to people, if somebody calls you, reply with a phone call. If someone's taken the time to call you, A, it's either important they need to explain something, that, that it's just too much in a, in a, right? Or they care about you. Don't freaking ping off a text to them. It's, I think one of the big things, mate, is... Um... It, and I've talked about it a lot in the past. It's like people don't understand the meaning of like doing the one thing at a time. And it's because we've got this ability like with phones, laptops, whatever, to be able to do multiple things at once. So the amount of things people are trying to get done in a day has 10 X, hasn't it really? Because they think because they can do, they've got the ability to do it or they have to do it. So what we, we all find in ourselves is we're, taking ourselves away from the, the actual priorities and things like that. And people are so confused in everything they're doing. Um, it stops them from actually achieving much in a very effective manner. The productivity goes like completely down the pan. Um, you know, you only have to look at people who do the whole new year, new year me thing on the 1st of January and they quit by what, three weeks. And it's because they're trying to do too much at once and it all gets far too confusing. They're not concentrating on one thing. Can I can I chip in there? It's also AJ that they've been sold this culture that you know you want to be a top singer. You go on a TV program and you'll be a top singer next week. You yeah. you wanna you wanna you know be a drone pilot. You just go and buy a drone. You, you know everything's done. It, it, it's this instant gratification, right? Mm. Whereas. You know, if you were a drone pilot, I know we didn't have them, but if we had them in the 70s, say, maybe we had, you know, radio control helicopters then, that would be something you would have to dedicate your whole adult life to mastering, mm. right? And only then would you be considered, you know, that guy, he's, he knows his helicopters, man. Yeah, you know, radio control helicopters, you go, you go and see, you go and see my mate John. He's been doing this 20 years now. It's like, right, you want to go and buy a drone in the afternoon, be a drone pilot by, by the evening. You know, you know this, 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 this kind of culture. And Do you think it's taken a sense of achievement out of everything, the way things no, are set up because it's, it's made so easy and so comfortable? Um, no, I think, I think it just is destined to fail because, as you and I know, well, and, and the, the, the example I was making was the, the New Year's Eve thing. People need to understand you make change in your life, you commit to it, and it could take you 
30 years like it took me, right? I mean, I, I, I uh, did drinking drugs almost every day for 30 years, right? Um, I mean, you know what it's like in the military, you just, you drink, drinking culture's just mad. Um, and all through the sort of latter 20 years, I had that little voice, you know, the angel on my shoulder going, you shouldn't really be doing this, you know. It, it, it's fine every now and again, but you're not doing it for fun. You're you're doing it from a pattern of addiction, right? I mean, um, that's just what I did. I mean, I, end, I, I ended up some nights drinking 12 cans of strong lager <laughs> and getting up and going to work the next day as if that's, you know, it's just, it's just what I did for 30 years, right? Very often, I remember chatting on Skype to one of my mates and he's like, did you just drink? I was like, oh, rum. It's like, it was like eight o'clock in the morning or something. And I, I was halfway through a bottle of rum, right? But here's the thing, AJ, right? I'm talking to myself the whole, I've got an internal dialogue about change. I'm learning about change. Um, I'm analyzing my behavior. I'm being hypercritical of what I'm doing, even though I'm still doing it. I know it's not good behavior, right? I start to learn, read books about change. I became a substance misuse specialist. Um, and around about that time, I was starting to put some distance between me and the substances. So I could go for three months without a drink. I could experience that beautiful feeling of being, you know, high on life and getting loads done then I would, you know, relapse back into it again. And then I would, you know, go, go without it for a bit. Sometimes I'd be able to, to moderate to one can of beer a night, which coming down from 12 is a massive, you know, it's a massive thing. Right. But what I'm saying is it took me 30 years. Now I rarely drink. Uh, just, just my life is so much better life is so much better without that poison in you. And I, I know that you found that yourself, right? Yeah. It took me 30 years, AJ, to get to this point. And now we 98% plant-based diet, alkaline diet, which is another thing. Again, I won't, won't bore people with what that is, but it, it allows me to function. It allows me to feel um, just, well, just to get the maximum out, out of life. Right. So where in that 30 years did I have a New Year's resolution that I'm going to change tomorrow and maintain it? It's not how change works. No. Change is a cycle. Uh, Prochaska and De Clemente, for anyone listening, if you want to Google it, they were the scientists, the social scientists that came up with the cycle of change. And it goes around in a circle. And every now and again, you slip back or you lapse completely. But the great thing is, is you only stay on where you are in a circle, you get your head right again, and then you go for it again. And that's literally what I did for 20, 20 years until I got it right. Um, now you've got this new year's, you know, new year, new me. It, it, you'd have to have the willpower of a bloody 
I don't know, God to be able to just change on New Year's Eve and, and maintain <laughs> it, right? It, you've got to learn these things. They take yeah. eight, and, and it's not a negative thing that these things can take 20 years, right? Why is it not negative? Well, I'm 51 and I've pretty much got it all together now, mate, right? I'm, I'm the most, yeah, I, I just pride myself on, I, I, I got no whinges, you know, I don't always have good days, but even when I'm having a bad day, I still laugh at it. I, I, I still know I'm the luckiest person on the planet. It's yeah. not going to change my outlook on life. You're not going to get me like putting some Facebook post out saying, you know, can you call me, hun? Something like that. Right. It, 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 so. Final, I will get to the point. AJ, I'm 51 and I've sussed it. Now, if I live till I'm 80, I've got 30 years living in paradise. 30 years. Was nice. it worth was it worth learning for the for the last third? Yeah, absolutely. I've now got a son, so it's all come good when he's arrived, right? Um, is it worth that learning? Is it worth that commitment to change? Is it worth analyzing your behavior is it worth reading books about why do i behave like this why when i go past the co-op and i said i'm not going to drink tonight do i end up going in the bloody co-op you know why do I, what 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 is that oh that's called a trigger is it ah so something triggered me so just driving past the co-op and seeing that sign could trigger the chemicals in my brain that tell me i want alcohol right i didn't know that okay so let's not drive past the co-op on the way home, right? You know, um, little things like this. So, yeah, I hope anyone listening um, gets something out of it. It's don't expect to change overnight. Just just do it in mm. your own time, but but make that commitment. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And it's um, it's actually uh, eleven months today is the last time I had a a, a go today. Um, is the last time I had an alcoholic drink and that was uh, while I was in Sierra Leone and I said to to Faith uh, from the charity well I was actually I sat having breakfast with her that I was as soon as I go back I'm not going to touch another drop of alcohol uh, and I'll flee back the next day and uh, yeah but I, I, what I did was I told myself that I was going to have a break and that was it I, I didn't say like oh, I'm going to quit I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I just said I'm going to have a break and see where it goes and um, I think that's been a really good uh, a really good way of doing it and a good outlook on it um, it's definitely helped and you just get to the point where it's just, I don't even think about it, like not at all. Um, you know, I, I, obviously the, the amount of potential socials that are available throughout the year have potentially helped, you know, but I'm a big believer in my own mindset and I, I know how strong it is. I know what triggers uh, I had that would make me want to have a glass of wine or whatever. And don't get me wrong. I've said to a lot of people, I wasn't an alcoholic or nothing like that. Um, However, I just got to a point where I was like, do you know what, what I want to achieve in life, very similar to yourself, the people I want to help, the places I want to see, places I want to go, uh, the cultures I want to experience, uh, and the people that I want to develop, um, and the person I want to become. I was like, it does not serve a purpose, alcohol, in that life cycle. Um, and that was what I was telling myself. And I think that's the key driver there for me, um, and what I apply to everything that I put myself forward to or I, I try and do and you know whether it's raising money for the charity or running like coaching programs whatever it is um you know i have that i have that kind of mindset to, to be able to apply to that 
Um, but I can tell you now from experience, you'll agree, you're never going to achieve a mindset like that if you're dictated by what's in front of you um, from devices and media and everything else like that. Um, you're always going to be looking for help and somebody doing something for you all the time. Um, so, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier um, and aligning that with what I just said, you know, I think if going into 2021, rather than looking at trying to make up New Year's resolutions and stuff like that, I think you need to um, have a stern hard word with yourself and actually what you actually want to do in your whole life, not what you want to do over the next couple of months. Yes. I'd say for anyone listening to this, if you've been struggling with a booze and it's been a case of, right, I'm going to give up on days of the week with a Y in them and, or I'm only going to drink on days with a W. I've done it all. And it, obviously alcoholism affects each person differently, right? Some people, when they drink, they got to get smashed and then they can leave it for three months, right? Um, but if you're in that boat where you've tried moderating and it just doesn't work, you always end up back on it again. The thing that just worked for me was just doing one year, no beer. I didn't realize it's an actual organization. I, yeah, did, yeah. A I did a podcast with one of the guys that founded one year, no beer. You can go on a course with them. Hmm. They get you... They get you motivated. They get you out doing a bit of sport. Hmm. It was um, his podcast I actually heard that actually triggered that. Um, taking a break from it and not um, not telling myself that I, I need to give it up right now. Yeah, well, for me, if I, if I said, oh, I'm just going to cut down, it just wouldn't happen, AJ. I might do a week. One day, I did, one time I did three months, it would always come along, someone going, Chris, what are you having? And then devil on my shoulder will go, uh, oh, go on then, get, get us a pint. And then bang, you're back in that cycle, waking up with a hangover, wanting to have a drink because you feel so, you know, so rough the next day. Mm. But what helped was um, a friend of mine mentioned one year, one, year, one year no beer. And I thought it was a hashtag. I thought you just did a year with no beer and that was the hashtag. So I just said, all right, I'll do a year with no beer. I, ha I had to get really low um, to begin it. I woke up on a bench in Paddington Station, <laughs> 20 past four in the morning. That moment where you're thinking, hang on, who am I? What 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 am I doing in London? I, I, I live at the other end of the country. And uh, yeah, it's times like that. You've got to have words with yourself. You know, I... I met another Marine on the train and we got so drunk on his rum that I'd obviously sat down at Paddington station to get my bearings and maybe get my phone out and see where my accommodation was. And I woke up six, seven hours later on that bench. Um, and that was it for me, AJ. I was like, right, one year, no beer in it. It's a no brainer. I can't mm. be behaving like this. I'm, I'm a father now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for people listening, if you if 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 you know what we're talking about, give it a go because once you get into three months off the booze, you just become a different person. Life becomes so brilliant. You feel awesome. You just want to get up and go for a little jog in the morning. You 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 know, you, you don't binge eat. 
Um, you don't get home from work and all you want to do is just collapse in front of the telly. Um, you don't get stroppy with, well, <laughs> you don't get as stroppy with people as you, as you did. You know, you don't have to sit at work thinking, oh God, I wish today was over. And, you, and, you, and moreover, it gets rid of that, that sort of five o'clock feel, three o'clock feeling of, oh, I can't wait to get home now and have another drink. I can't wait because you're always trying to top up, mm. always trying to, you know, get rid of that horrible hangover feeling and get the nice buzzy feeling back. So, uh, yeah, I'd recommend that. You've done really well, mate, really well. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I feel, I feel a million dollars, mate. I've done for a long, long time. Um, you know, it's one thing I'll never preach to people. I'll never... I never look down on people and say, "Oh, you know, what are you drinking that for?" Never, never, because uh, you know everyone's entitled to do whatever they want. I love that, but mm-hmm. for me, you know, even going out and being what I have been out in social, like, I literally just have like a non-alcoholic beer because you're still literally with your muckers, with your a drink in your hand, so to speak, um, and you almost get drunk on proxy anyway, just having a laugh and a joke. But you just get in your car and drive home. <laughs> it's, Some of uh, that. Some of that uh, non-alcoholic beer, it's they're all different, obviously. But what there's there's a few that have got like half a percent of alcohol in them. Yeah, I've seen that some places. Yeah, I tell you what, you get a nice get a nice merry on <laughs> when you haven't drunk for a year and you have one of those. It but funnily enough, it doesn't give you the urge to want to then go and get smashed. And like yeah. you say, that that beauty of waking up in your own bed in the morning and you've driven home legally and you even you know i just treat myself now i'll stop and get a kebab on the way home and and that's that's my my treat and you wake keep it up part of the, keep it as part of the ritual yeah we well got you 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 you've got a clean head a clear head in the morning all your mates are just smashed and they're all gonna they're not gonna emerge from their beds until 11 o'clock or something um it's great it's good you know you can go out you can have a good time in the evening and you can still get up at five or six the next day and get 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 your plans on yeah no yeah the productivity side of it has gone through the roof um and it's something i'm going to talk a a lot more about to uh tomorrow and tonight over the next couple of weeks um not nothing nothing to do with christmas it's you know it's more my reasons for doing it um and you know kind of like every month i do a little post saying oh seven months eight months nine months ten months no beer and the amount of people like you know it's amazing like very supportive however you know i'd say half of them saying oh i wish i could do that i wish i could do that and we're you know both of us sat here on this podcast episode have done it and we know that you can do it um but it's again there's a number of reasons why people don't um that's you know for another another episode but um i mean on a, on a more positive note start to celebrate um how are you going to celebrate doing 200 miles around a, a running track well um it will just be lovely to get home with my family aj you know and, and get christmas honors get it on a bit late mm. um We'll see how it goes. If if I get in extreme pain, there might be a bottle of rum appears because um, I know from experience a, a, a tot of rum can do do wonders when you're in ag- absolute agony. 
Um, like I say, I don't, I, I don't make any rules for my life. I just kind of, I, I sort of, it, it's all just going in the area that I want it. Occasionally I'm a bit, I have a bit of a binge and, and, um, I, 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 I just know in myself, it, it, it can't go on too long because it's completely, it doesn't work for me anymore. That lifestyle, AJ, yeah. it just doesn't work for me. I'm no, a professional good. now. I've got to talk with people. I've got to be, you know, got to try and be functional. Um, just to have a hangover. It's like, Oh my God. It, it just makes your day awful. Hmm. Just awful. Whereas you can live in paradise or you can feel awful, but you know, um, that's it. I've, I'm only mentioning that because if anyone sees me with a can of beer in mind, I don't want them to think, Oh, I saw him drink. It's like, I, I don't, I don't make any rules. I just enjoy my life. And mm. when I make cock ups and screw ups, I, I assess them and I just try not to make them as big the next time. <laughs> yes. no, that's awesome. Mate. And I've, you know, I've got, <laughs> I should say, AJ, you know, I will, I'll pull out all the stops to run 200 miles nonstop. Mm. And if you get an injury, well, you got to deal with it. There's no, no, you know, no one's going to come and carry you. Right. Yeah. When I ran the length of the UK, I broke my leg, right. Halfway down the country, I got a stress fracture in my right shin. So I should have taken what, six weeks off walking, <laughs> Instead, I ran another 500 miles on it, right? It was absolute agony. Um, and as I say, a tot of rum, rum in the morning just took the edge off that that pain and allowed me to, you know, finish my goal. I'm not, I don't recommend other people do what I do, but um, yeah, we're going to pull out the stops for this 200 miles and um, just make sure we get it done, so... Yes. No, it's, it's it's really good, mate. And you know, I've, I've got no doubt that you actually will. And uh, I think who you're doing it for and what you're doing it for, the cause is absolutely amazing, especially this time of year. Um, so you know, kudos to you, mate. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Yes. Can I tell people where they can get involved? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got a Facebook group. You can just add yourselves. Um, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash running homeless or just type running homeless into Facebook. I'm sure it will come up. Um, and if you go to Virgin money giving, I think it's called and just type in Chris rule. They can donate five quid. If you've got it, if people haven't, can't spare money, that's fine, but just get involved with a Facebook and share share the posts if you want. That's 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 equally as important, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. all my media, I'm at Chris Thrill, except Instagram, I'm at Chris Thrill. So, it'd be great to see you. Yeah, and Chris, as always, mate. I'll uh, put all your contact details and all the show notes and everything else like that, um, mate. I really want to thank you for coming back on today. I know like time's been of uh, the essence recently. However, it's been great to get you back on and talk about this event more than anything and uh, more about sort of like current times and stuff like that. So it's great to hear your view on um, how the world is turning at the minute and what you're planning to do in the future. So yeah, I, I really, really appreciate that, I mate. Mean. Yeah, AJ, I appreciate you having me on. I, 
I feel like I get a bit shouty, mate, you know? <laughs> it's it's just that I can see where it's... I'm 51 now. I've watched the way society's going for 51 years. Mm. And I'm passionate about young people because I want them to have the life that I've had. And I see people running around doing certain things thinking it's in the greater good and it, it's just like oh god you've got to start reading books kids you know you've got to start re reading your history reading things like 1984 brilliant book to start with if, if um and yeah it's just that it's, it's like i feel like i see it all um, and if anything I've said today could just empower one person to go, do you know what? I'm going to run around the block tomorrow morning instead of getting up and getting straight on my phone or straight on the Xbox. Yeah. I'm that... actually going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call up a skydiving club and see how do I organize a, a sky, you know, how much does a skydive cost? Um, or, you know, if you've got a bit of money, get yourself to the Amazon, go, go into the rainforest. It's mental, but do something. Um, and as I always say, turn off mainstream media because the people that own your news, they don't love you. They <laughs> certainly don't. They certainly don't love me. Yes. Yeah. Well, mate, absolute pleasure. Um, I'll be definitely putting all your stuff in the show notes and uh, I will be following your, You'll run profusely, mate, um, no doubt. I think it's a phenomenal thing you're doing. Um, and like I said, it was great to get you back on and, and talk about all the amazing things that you're doing. Um, and guys and girls, you know, if um, if, you, if this is the first time, your first exposure to Chris, make sure you check out all his stuff on, on social media. Make sure you check out his podcast as well. Bought the T-shirt podcast. He's had some phenomenal guests on there. Um, he's had some top, uh, top guys from Special Forces that have shared, you know, some amazing stories. I've Robbie Williams on as well. Um, which is an amazing episode, you know, and he's had his own problems in life. Um, so, you know, make sure you give um, Chris's podcast a follow as well. Make sure you keep uh, an eye on what he's doing with his 200 miler over Christmas, which is to raise awareness and obviously raise money for homeless people and homeless veterans uh, and, and their mental health. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show today, ladies and gents. Um, I will be putting out another episode before Christmas. Don't worry. Um, but until then, Take care of yourselves, look after yourself, stay safe, and we'll see you in the next episode.